This is Reese Davis, and you're listening to the Galloway Podcast. Welcome in to the Galloway Podcast, episode 75, presented by WD Marketing Group. I'm your host, William Galloway. Today is Thursday, July 8th, and on today's podcast, we're talking with former Alabama men's basketball player Alex Reese to talk about his experience in Tuscaloosa playing for both Nate Oates and Avery Johnson. Very excited for you to hear this conversation, and that's coming up in just a moment. But first, I want to remind you that WD Marketing Group is a Tuscaloosa, Alabama-based marketing firm focused on helping small and local businesses with all their digital, social media, and traditional marketing needs. WDMG has helped clients in a wide variety of industries surpass sales and growth goals while maintaining true brand identity for their client. They've helped me, so let them help you. Your business is too valuable not to market. You can find WD Marketing Group on the web at www.wdmarketinggroup.com. Once again, this is episode 75. It is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, as well as SoundCloud. You can follow me on Twitter at WM underscore Galloway. And so without further ado, the man of the hour, Alex Reese, on episode 75 of the Galloway Podcast, presented by WD Marketing Group. Immediate former Alabama basketball player Alex Reese joins the Galloway Podcast, episode 75. Alex is on the line. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Wonderful. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. And uh, now that you're out of college, um, no, no going through SIDs. And so it's pretty complicated. You're a, a text away. So appreciate you taking some time to talk with me. Well, no problem at all, man. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Nothing but love for Aaron Jordan, too, my former boss. So Absolutely. great guy. Um, Alex, what's been going on lately? Fill us in since graduation, what you've been up to, what you're doing, what your goals are. Fill us in. Uh, for the most part, just been, you know, trying to stay in shape, uh, stay basketball ready, getting workouts in here and there. But um, I'd say I've been playing a little bit too much golf here and there. Been playing a lot of golf and working, you know, just same old stuff. It's not in Tuscaloosa no more. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with too much golf, that's for sure. Did you watch the match earlier this week? No, I, I caught a little bit of the uh, the Aaron Rodgers and Brady one. Isn't there a few going on? I'm not really sure. Call yeah, it up. was uh, it was Rogers was paired with DeChambeau, and then uh, Mickelson was with Brady. There might be some more coming up. I love that. I mean, it is it is must see TV. So that was that was good to watch. Um, but yeah, hey, let's take a dive into your career because obviously you have so many stories to tell, and we can only get to a couple of them today. But I've got a lot of questions and want to ask you about your legendary career at Alabama. Um, you were a part of that 2017 class that was just phenomenal, recruited by Avery Johnson. So let's go ahead and jump all the way back to four years ago. I had Rob Eason on the podcast a couple episodes ago. He talked so highly of you, of JP, of Herb, of everybody that came out of this state. Talk a little bit about, Rob, your recruiting process, because I know you're being recruited heavily by UAB. And then what was ultimately the selling point to go to Tuscaloosa and play for Avery Johnson? Um, well, Coach Eason, he was he was great. You know, I had I built a real good relationship with him when uh, 
Coach Hass was up at UAB when he he was just an assistant. So Coach Usain was great. I had a really good – we just used to talk all the time, uh, just catch up. I ran into him not too long ago, and it was like I'd been talking to him ever since I committed to Bama. But um, he's a great guy. Love him. But uh, really what drew me to getting down to Tuscaloosa was uh, who all that I was talking to that was probably going to go, you know, like Herb, JP, and the relationship I already had with uh, Avery Jr. That was a big, big part of um, why I committed. And uh, there's also like the the conference, you know, the, the strength of scheduling and stuff like that was a big deal. And we we also wanted to go in and turn the program around in Tuscaloosa. And I feel like we did that and completed our goal as far as the the freshman that came in 2017. Yeah, absolutely. Getting to the tournament, uh, you're in my freshman year, too. I wasn't on the team, but obviously a big, big supporter here. Um, getting that turnaround, I think it was the first time in six, maybe seven years that Alabama had made the tournament, so immediate impact. Uh, obviously, you had a big part in that. Colin Sexton had a big part in that. What was it like playing with Colin, who ended up being a lottery pick? Uh, it was unbelievable. Just, you know, watching him, uh, you know, just be able to get a bucket whenever he wanted to. Nobody guarded my practice some days, you know. It was it was a lot of fun, you know, watching him. He's very ultra competitive. He'll get to talking and screaming and yelling. Colin, he was he's one of my favorite teammates I've played with. But uh, it was it was that was a fun season. It really was, and I think a lot about that season. The most memorable memorable game had to be um, Oklahoma when Trey Young came in to Coleman Coliseum. Um, Herb became his father that day, and uh, it was just crazy. What was that like for you? Uh, that game was insane. I um, I always like to throw in that I had I hit my one three. I hit my quota one three that game. But uh, watching her lock up Trey Young for the most part and all that, it was the atmosphere was insane too. The whiteout. I remember that game like it was yesterday. Yeah, it was so much fun, and I'm thankful that I had the chance to work it. Otherwise, I probably would have had to pay a couple hundred bucks for a ticket. I mean, that thing was sold out to the brim. Uh -huh. Student section was rocking white out and Coleman will never forget that one. Uh, let's jump ahead to two years into college coaching change from Avery Johnson to Nate Oates. Talk about that time. Uh, was there any uncertainty and in, in with, and if you would stay with the program? Um, Cause that's gotta be tough as an athlete, scholarship athlete being recruited by a guy, having a great relationship with him, him parting ways with the school and then not knowing who you're going to get. Nate Oates comes in from Buffalo, obviously turns the program around. Uh, but walk us through that time of change from Avery Johnson to Nate Oates. Uh, well, a funny story about golf. I was actually on the golf course when I found out that Coach Oates was coming in. And uh, it was it was just a little bit of culture shock the way we, um, like, just immediately started getting into, like, real hard workouts and, I remember the first day he came in and spoke to us. He asked if anybody was in the gym. This was maybe a week after the season ended. And he asked us if we had been in the gym. We've been taking, like, take the week off. Most people said they took the week off. He said, oh, that's changing tomorrow. So as soon as he came in, we knew it was going to be, a, like, an immediate impact and things were going to start changing. Yeah. Uh, Coach, I've been at the beach. It's been spring break. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> He uh, he came, and I heard him speak, obviously, multiple times in college, um, but came to a group on campus, and I heard him speak, and he was just dynamic. I mean, from the moment that I met him, he was, it was one of those where at the beginning, I remember I was sitting in my office sophomore year in the spring, 
and it came across the timeline. Cecil Hurt said, you know, Alabama hires Nate Oates. We kind of look at each other, we're like, who? And yeah. now, you know, the premier coach in college basketball, uh, no remorse for calling out Coach K and stuff like that. Tell us about Coach off the court, because obviously he has a pretty dynamic personality. One thing that stands out to me when he said, you know, seven years ago, eight years ago, who's a math teacher? And now what he says ends up on the headlines of ESPN. Just give us a behind the scenes. Uh, well, just like Colin, Coach Oates is ultra competitive. He's going to try to beat you and – Talk his talk his junk, you know, and anything that he's you know competing with you against. Uh, other than that, he's you know super nice, very knowledgeable about the game, and uh, really anything you could ask him, he's going to try to help you out for or with. Uh, just super super nice guy uh, off the court. He's not as um, intense, I'll say, but uh, no, I have nothing below Coach Oates. We'll get to uh, the upcoming season here shortly because there's obviously a lot of excitement after this year. And uh, we'll start talking about this year. But first, I want to ask you a couple questions about injuries. Uh, obviously, you battled injury a lot throughout college, some that the media and fans were aware of, some that I'm pretty sure the media and fans weren't aware of. So can you kind of walk us through in the last four years some of the injuries that you battled, whether they were known or not known? Um, yeah, a few. I mean, I tore uh, or I sprained a few ligaments in my foot while we were playing um, Iowa State down in the Bahamas. And I was should have been out. I played on that for the whole time until it felt felt normal again. And the same that same year, I started the year. I, uh, I messed my hip up the practice before our ex exhibition game against uh, Georgia Tech, and I kind of just had to get that uh, – get, like, steroid shots and stuff like that for, like, the whole season until I could finally have my surgery at the end of um, junior year, the start of COVID. So, those are those are two biggest ones that I can think of off my head. But, you know, other, other than that, it, was, it wasn't anything that wasn't, like, a, like just nagging, lingering stuff from the past. Right. And you once you play at Alabama, I mean, you get the best of the best treatment. Um, Clark Coulter, his staff, and then you get Jeff Allen and the facilities over in the Mal Moore facility, and you really – you can't beat it, the experience uh, that you get in Tuscaloosa. Let's jump into this year. Obviously, a historic year. Talk about a culture change. I mean, in just year two of Nate Oates, he absolutely changed everything. You had a big part of that to do with leadership. He talked about leadership from top to bottom. So before we get into games and specific experiences, talk about your leadership approach this year and what you were trying to bring to the table as one of the few seniors on the team. Uh, well, I know I had to change, you know, um, how I was acting off the court. I got in trouble at the very end of the world when the SEC tournament got canceled. I got in trouble, got arrested. Uh, like soon as the season ended. So I had, I had to work through that and make sure I was still going to be back before I could, uh, you know, work on my leadership. But that's really all I wanted to uh, work on was this year. I told coach, I just want to be like the best leader I could be and just take steps to be um, just like a positive impact, keep energy good and positive all the time. Those were my main two um, points that I wanted to focus on personally. And coach always told me that I was doing, you know, a good job of that. So 
you get into the season and your ability to stretch the floor as a 6'9", 6'10", big guy uh, plays so well in the NATO system. SEC champs, regular season, and then the tournament as well, just historic year. Let's walk through that. I think it was a 14-game winning streak. I'm, I'm losing it now. Um, <laughs> I can't remember exactly, but that winning streak from mid-December after that tough loss at home, non-conference game, uh, into SEC play, what was that like? Uh, a lot of fun. You know, we started the season um, a little slow. You know, we had some kinks we needed to work through. But uh, once we got it rolling, it was a lot of fun. You know, we picked up a few good wins. Um, up in Asheville and get us started. And, you know, we just kept it rolling. We figured out how to play with each other. And I feel like the biggest thing was chemistry and, you know, getting everybody to click together and all the new guys that we had that were coming into this system. It finally, finally paid off. Yeah, the I think it was the Western Kentucky game is what it was in mid-December. Then it was a 10-game um streak that Alabama went on and you had a huge role in that. And one thing that was interesting um, was Rojas and Petty had, had for whatever reason been suspended for that game. And that was a culture change for the program. You don't really have to get into that, but kind of talk about the spark that you went on from December and what made you all so successful and able to start that stretch of 10 games going into the new year. Well, after after they had came back, you know their their mindsets changed, and you know they're they're two really big pieces of our team. Um, so that was good to get them back. And as far as you know, keeping us, I think Jordan Bruner got hurt. Uh, Kentucky, I believe, in Lexington. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So I maybe I'm a little bit ahead of myself then. But you know, after they got after they got their situations handled and stuff, I'm glad that they were, you know, able to lock back in and get focused and. Uh, as far as me, I was just able to, you know, help them get back on track and get them back to lead and the guys like they were before. Yeah, let's get to um, SEC, being able to clinch the SEC regular season in Starkville, cutting down the nets at home after beating Auburn to close out the regular season. Talk about that, just the emotions there, getting to cut the nets, coming home to that crowd. I remember Fluff was at the front waiting on y'all to come down from the bus. Just walk me through that. That's true back was you just wanted to get back so so quick you wanted it to be like a a snap of a finger but uh getting back home and seeing all the fans and stuff outside calling and waiting on us that was it was unbelievable unforgettable and you know rest in peace fluff I, I hate to see see him uh you know go so soon but he was always it was always good to see his his smiling face you know at the front of the front of the crowd watching us yeah, absolutely. Great guy. And like Tyler Barnes said, he really became part of the team. I mean, he was yeah. part of the culture um, created at those home games and he traveled every road game as well. Jumping into the SEC tournament now, um, a dominating victory over Mississippi State. And then you get Tennessee. Quinterly goes off against Tennessee. Uh, you get LSU in the championship. I mean, so many emotions with the the Watford so-called rivalry, I guess, um, in Alabama. Talk about SEC Championship Sunday and then the selection show, all that was just a phenomenal, phenomenal weekend. Yeah, that, that SEC Championship Sunday was amazing. Uh, the game was one of, probably one of the most fun I'd ever played in as far as uh, – you know, being as competitive as it was with the stuff that happened before the game and just seeing how it all played out through the game. 
finally seeing that last second shot not go in. And I don't know, it was, that, that was unreal. I wish COVID wasn't a thing so the, all the fans could be there. But I would definitely say that we, uh, we, had, the, we had the best crowd in there. Yeah, I mean, everybody was up and back from Nashville. Britain's dad, I traveled to him, with him, to all the games. Ended up going to the Sweet 16 um, game with him. And he said he put more miles in the month of March on his car, his old car, than he could ever ask or want. And he said it was worth every mile, worth every dollar. And even with the rising gas prices, he said, I'll pay $100 a gallon if I can go watch Alabama play the way they're playing. He didn't say that. I'm putting words in his mouth. Um, <laughs> But y'all go straight from Nashville up to Indianapolis. Tell me about the bubble. Obviously, people have shared different stories. The food we heard wasn't that great. Walk me through your experience in the bubble. Y'all were there for a long time. Yeah, we were there. I can't remember how many weeks it was. A little bit long for me, but um, the food to start with was not good. Probably the first two days was uh, not not too good. I was not uh, liking it. So, you know, we had to complain and get our um, nutritionist to fix that. Amanda Amanda took care of us, you know, after after we had a few complaints put in. But the bubble was tough. It was – you were locked in there, couldn't really do much but play basketball and hang around and you're in the room. It was tough, but looking back on it, I'd definitely go back and do it again. And, um, you know, it's all, it all for love of the game. So, it was it was definitely worth it. There's got to be a mental approach because you're so locked into basketball around the clock that the, by the time it comes to get on the bus, get off the bus, get ready, all that stuff, you've been so locked in for so long. Did your approach change at all to the games because it was just basketball around the clock? Um, for myself, I was trying to keep it strictly like basketball, like when basketball was happening. You know, I yeah. was trying to get away from it as much as I could while I uh, while I was just sitting up there in the room or whether it be me just going outside to the field that we had and we could go outside and you know, walk around. I was just trying to keep my mind off it and not stay too too locked into it because if, if I get too locked in, I'm going to just – I'm going to explode. Yeah. All right, so we get past the first weekend. You know, I was going to ask you about this. We, we had to. I mean, it was legendary play, one of the most legendary shots in Alabama basketball history. The shot – versus UCLA struggled the whole team really struggled all game long I was I was up there for that game and obviously worth every dollar um, down to the last second but walk us through that play did you know you were getting the shot um, take us through the X's and O's uh, well that play we've ran it a, a million times we used to run it almost every day at the end of practice definitely the practice before a game or something like that but um, that play has been drawn up a million times like I said and I've never gotten the shot on it so I think I think what just happened was JQ got open he um and found me I was open I was a little bit far from my liking but I, I had the best shot possible it looked like on the court so uh, he passed it to me and I just I threw it up there and you know what happened happened yeah it was so far back I remember sitting there and I was about even with the court about halfway up and it was one of those, I was like, oh, we didn't get a great shot. But what if, you know, in that split second, it's like, all right, what if? And then it goes in and I grab the guy next to me. My, it's my cross the street neighbor, 50-year-old man, just bear hugged him for like 15 <laughs> seconds, yelling at the top of my lungs. One of those, like, I, you know, your emotions just 
take the best of you. But you mm-hmm. were so composed. It was one of those you were like, let's go, baby. Ice in my veins. I mean, tell me about that reaction. No, I'll, I'll keep it honest with you. I didn't know what to do. I was – I just – when I shot it, my hand stayed up. And then I started looking up my – uh three of my best friends and my uh, little brother were right, like literally right behind the backboard, like up top. And when I, there's a picture, you can see me, I'm looking up there towards them. And I was like, there was nothing really going on in my head. I was just looking up there smiling. I didn't, I didn't really know what was going on. I got back to the huddle and I was like taking like this kind of blacked out a little bit, but it was, it was, it was, it was cool. Yeah. I remember seeing uh, your brother after the game, I went up to him and I was just like, you know, hell of a shot by Alex, like so proud of him. And it, it was one of those things where nobody was happy. You know, I mean, it was a tough ending. But looking back on it, I mean, man, what a finish. What a memory. Yeah. Um, just absolute legendary status. That was that was fantastic. Thank what you. Were the, I mean, your teammates reaction. I mean, first guy to come up to you. I mean, what was it like? Uh, I could I couldn't tell you what anybody was saying to me. They were just screaming, yelling, happy that I made the shot. They were saying all types of things that I couldn't say on here, of course. But <laughs> it, it was it was a good time. I'll, I'll remember that yeah, forever. Absolutely. Well, let's go ahead and kind of bring it to more present day. Um, this year's team, obviously, I say this year's team, is in this past year's team, very scattered, people all over the place doing different things. Now a lot of guys returning, people headed – uh, graduated, going on to different places, transfers, this, that, and the other. Uh, a couple guys I want to bring to light. Uh, Josh Primo has done exceptionally well, kept his name in for the draft. Talk to me about Primo. Talk to me about Petty and Herb, kind of where you think they stand. And then the news of Jaden Shackelford transferring, obviously, um, reasons that either I can't express. Maybe you can, maybe you may not want to, uh, but he's doing what's in his best interest. Talk about those four guys and – your communication with them as of late? Um, well, Primo, uh, you know, I'm just so super happy for him. Primo is one of the nicest dudes that you'll ever meet, and, uh, the coolest guys you'll get to talk to. And I'm just really happy for him to see him, you know, come in and do what he did this year and be able to take that next step so so quick and fast to the next level. I just – I'm happy excited to see where he goes with that. And uh, Herb and JP, they're like my brothers. I talk to them. You know, a few times a week now I'm trying to keep them or give them as much space to, you know, stay stay locked in to what they got going on. Uh, and Shaq, I'm not really sure why he's transferring. The only thing I could think of would be probably, um, you know, just to get home or get closer to home for – I'd say he's probably got another year to play in college. So that's the only thing I could think of. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't asked him for any um, any reason or anything, but I just try to – you know, support them and, you know, keep their heads, keep their heads locked in so they can get, get to their money. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it turns out with Galen Smith ended up seeing him again in this year's tournament, obviously part of your recruiting class. Uh, and so maintaining those relationships, obviously a very important thing. And I know you're mm-hmm. big on that. So that's a great thing there. Alex, one more question before we get to some quick hitters next year's team. Obviously, as we mentioned previously in this episode, lots of excitement, lots of high expectations. Alabama is now not only the team in football, but in basketball in the SEC. So walk me through what you see happening, your expectations, and what you're excited for in this upcoming season. 
Um, I'm excited to see where the young guys take this team or take the group that they've got coming in. So it's a really young team. And, uh, you know, I'm just excited to see where Coach takes them and uh, how who, who's going to step up and lead them. Losing, uh, you know, me, Herb, and JP, and Bruner. It's a big uh, leader for the for the guy, the younger guys especially. But you know, I'm just excited to see that and see how it all plays out. And, uh, you know, just wishing them the best. And, yeah, that's about it. We'll have to uh, – I'll certainly be taking some road trips, calling in some vacation days, getting in the Jay Johnson wagon. Uh, you're welcome to hitch a ride <laughs> wherever wherever you may be if you're available. Uh, I want to see as much of that season as possible. Very excited about that. All right, so some quick hitters for you, some quick responses. Uh, just a couple things that cross my mind. You might, you know, provide a couple more fun answers. Most memorable game. And you can't say UCLA because that was – we've already discussed that. Uh, most memorable Auburn junior year at home on the road or at, at home. home. Yeah. Yeah. That was electric. I mean, both games were great. I was at both mm-hmm. and the, uh, the game on the road, obviously it was really tough, but being down 16, zero coming back, that was, that was really, really, both of them were really fun games. And then that was a 19 point win at home. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was fun. <laughs> that crowd was electric. Uh, speaking of crowds, craziest crowd. And then, so since we've already talked about these certain games, you can't pick these games. What was the craziest crowd that you remember? Um, Arkansas this year. This year? Oh, yeah. They're, yeah. They're in, it was uh, a little bit different. It was. I, I'd never been up there. I drove up there with Luke and stopped in Memphis, did the whole road trip thing. Uh, it's weird. It's really like it, it feels very Midwestern as it is. Uh, <laughs> but I just, I didn't like it. Yeah, <laughs> Luke. I, it was crazy in there. Plus, they had, it felt like they had like a whole bunch of people with the COVID situation. Yeah. Their student section was packed out and Luke was getting called names and he was carrying the Alabama flag with pride. That was insane. Yeah. Um, I thought we were going to get it there. That would have been sweet to win the SEC. It was because it was one of those that, – that would have been the one. Yeah, Something that stands out to you, uh, but fans may not particularly remember, if I were in your position, I'd say the three-on-five game versus Minnesota. Lawson Schaefer shared that story with me, but what would that be for you? Could you repeat the question again? The something that stands out to you the most about your career, but that fans may not particularly remember. A game, a moment, a practice, a trip. The Canada trip going up there um, before we even got uh, started with school and stuff in the fall. That was, that was a fun time. All right. And then last one here, your best NATO story in the past two years. I might have to think there's so many of them. Might not be a quick hitter. I don't know if I if I even got one that's not uh that shouldn't PG. Yeah, it might be tough to think. Oh, about. that's funny. That's funny. All right. Well, the, then on that case, you know, to to give an answer here, your favorite part about coach off the court that people in the program don't get to see. Uh, the way he drives his boat on the lake. 
And why is that? Like, how does it just – is he crazy yeah. or what? Yeah, he, well, if you're, on, if you're on the um, what do you call it, the tubes, he's, he's definitely going to try to get you up off of there. Oh, he's, man. I love to hear that. I was on Lake Tuscaloosa last weekend. Somebody pointed out his house. I was like, oh, you mean that castle over there? And they were like, yeah, that, that one's his. <laughs> so, absolutely. Well, Alex, thank you so much, man. Really appreciate the time. Uh, tell Sam Jeffcoat when you caddy and or play golf with him next time that he, uh, he owes me a round at Birmingham. So Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll be out there soon. I, I'm caddying for him this weekend as well. So. Okay. Well, yeah, definitely, definitely tell him he owes me a round. Once again, thank you so much for the time. Really appreciate it. Um, I speak for Alabama fans across this state when, you know, I say you had a legendary career. Thank you for everything you've done in the last four years. Um, that shot against UCLA and everything else people will never forget. I appreciate it. Really appreciate the time Alex took to talk on episode 75 of the Galloway podcast presented by WD Marketing Group. Just a reminder, you can find WD Marketing Group on the web at www.wdmarketinggroup.com. That's going to do it for episode 75. I want to remind everybody that Galloway podcast merchandise is available. I got home from work today. There was a box behind my house at the back door. 250 red Galloway podcast koozies with the black logo on it. They look fantastic. You can get one for $3. You can get two for $5. Or you can get two and a black coffee mug for $10. Just let me know. DM me on Twitter at WM underscore Galloway. Or follow the Galloway podcast and message that account on Instagram. Again, that's the Galloway podcast on Instagram. This has been episode 75 of the Galloway podcast. Really, really appreciate each and every one of you for taking the time to listen. I hope you're having a fantastic summer. Looking forward to the Olympics. And once again, as always, there's the right way, there's the wrong way, and there's the Galloway.